0: hey everyone welcome to pills and needles the podcast about mental health and tattoos in this episode we're going to talk about triggers and signs I don't know if you're going to hear a snoring dog in this episode because he is wide awake. In fact, he is creepily staring at me right now because he's chewing on something he probably thinks he shouldn't chew on. I can't really see it, but I think it's a rubber duck. He has destroyed so many of them. What are you doing? He's just staring at me and sighing like, I, how dare you question my decisions. Anyway, let me tell you about my tattoo scare, which is kind of funny. So last week, I went to June de Pasupil to get a new tattoo. June is one of my favorite artists and I'm lucky that he's based in Manila he has his own studio it's a private studio in the valiches and it's a bit of a drive from my place but it's always totally worth it uh june did a tattoo of my dog's face on my wrist and it was cool because he actually made it a point to meet my monster dog before the session so he can study the lines on his face and the details on his face and to get His personality as well to get a feel of it. Except the monster behaved like a little angel, and so June was like, What are you talking about? He's such a good boy. And I'm like, You faker. So, anyway, June did a fantastic tattoo. It was beautiful, wrapped it up nicely. Oh, and one of the things I love about getting tattooed at June's place is he just hands you the remote control and lets you watch whatever you want on his big screen. And so I was watching the interview while getting tattooed, which is something I should have done a long time ago because I do have a big crush on Seth Rogen. So why haven't I seen that movie? So it was pretty cool that I was watching the movie and laughing while getting tattooed. I was kind of worried about how much it would hurt because it was the closest I've gotten to getting my wrist done. My braved in soldier ends about an inch and a half above the wrist so I didn't really feel the wrist pain that people keep talking about and so while it was kind of painful I realized that nothing will come close to the pain of my inner arm tattoo my Peter Pan on my bicep but that's another story so yeah so I got it tattooed loved it June wrapped it up um I got into the car and guess what my monster dog did he tried to bite the tattoo he actually nipped it a little and kind of tore the wrapping but i didn't think it was a big deal because i didn't see that my skin was scratched or anything like that and so when i got home hours later i did what i normally do i washed my new tattoo with unscented soap i use fisher gel and then i put tegaderm on it i have been using uh, tegaderm for the past i think seven or eight tattoos anyway i started using it earlier this year it was Huka, this awesome artist from timeless tattoo in la who first made me use it when she did my diving girl tattoo and it is just amazing if you like getting tattooed and you have never tried using a hydrocolloid i don't know if i'm saying it correctly but a hydrocolloid bandage to heal your tattoos just check it out there are different brands there's saniderm there's tattoo derm i actually don't know which one hookah used on me it might have been saniderm but since tegaderm is the one that's easily available i found it at the cvs hours after our appointment that's what i've been using and i can buy it here at mercury as well and so That's what I've been using, but I'm thinking of ordering uh, some of the bigger ones because I have been using like the really small Tegaderm patches and I've just kind of been patching them together to create bigger bandages. But they, they do come in bigger sizes. I just don't know if we have them at Mercury or if you have to order them special from websites or whatever. So anyway, I have so much belief in the healing power of Tegaderm like it has been the only way I've been healing my tattoos the entire year and I love it I love how you don't have to worry about ink getting onto your sheets or your clothes and you can wear whatever you want after your tattoo because you don't have to worry about the fabric rubbing against your tattoo I love how it makes for some reason it makes the healing process less painful like it doesn't feel as sore it doesn't itch as much and so yeah I'm a total Tegaderm fan and so I was surprised when so I got tattooed on Wednesday my tattoo my Tegaderm started lifting a little on Saturday and so on Sunday morning I was like oh I okay, finally change my bandage And so I did my whole process of washing and soaping it to ease the bandage off because you never want to peel it off like a band-aid. It's going to hurt like hell and you don't want to pull on your tattoo unnecessarily. Like you might get some of the ink out if you do that. And so I was trying to be really careful with it when I noticed that it was really painful. Like the lower half of the tattoo was red and painful And I was like, holy crap, is it infected? Like, I'd never seen it look like that. And I was really worried. Now, of course, my imagination started going wild. Like, what the hell? What if the monster dog actually bit it and got it infected? And the lower part of it had peeled before the upper part of it. So I'm like, what if that part is infected and the upper part isn't? Because they kind of look like... They're in two different healing stages. It was so weird. I had never seen anything like it before. And like any normal person would, I went online and started Googling infected tattoos and freaked out even more because, holy crap, they look painful and horrible and red and disgusting. And I read about stinky, smelly pus coming out and all that. And I had none of those things. It wasn't that crazy red It was just slightly red. But still, my imagination was really just going crazy. Um, That's my dog chasing the rubber duck and running around. Um, And so, yeah, so I was panicking. And then, of course, there's that calmer side of me that's like, look, this is the first time you've gotten the wrist tattooed. And the part that's more painful is in the more delicate part. So that kind of makes sense that that part hurts a little more than the rest of it. And maybe that part's redder because there are more details there. Like, that's the snout area and it has a lot of white highlights on it. And, you know, I was just trying to explain it away and it's not even that red. Like, see, let's check for heat. There's no heat. There's nothing oozing out. There's, there's just a little redness, which isn't even crazy. Like, it's not swelling or anything like that. But, of course, the louder voice in my head is the one that's like, holy crap. I don't want to die from a tattoo infection. So, yeah. So, when I what I did was I still covered it with a fresh set of Tegaderm bandages. I put a very, very thin amount of... A very thin layer of um, fisio gel to lubricate it. And then I just tried to push it out of my mind. And when I couldn't, I went online and... I logged on to the Last Sparrow Forum, which has a very extensive discussion about Tegaderm, Saniderm, and tattoo derm healing. And I told them, like, guys, this has never happened to me, but uh, should I panic now? And somebody replied hours later and said something like, uh just have it checked by your doctor but don't panic which of course made me panic even more like why does a doctor need to look at my tattoo anyway i'm very lucky because i have doctor friends and so when i couldn't resist anymore and when i was really just i just really wanted to put my mind at ease i sent a message and asked um do you think my tattoo is infected and and they were like send a picture and let's see and they're like no we don't think so And just observe it, but no, it doesn't look infected. So I'm like, okay. So a couple of days after that, I finally took off the tegaderm, and now it actually looks even. The redness is gone. It looks like any normal tattoo. So yeah, I was worried. I was worried for nothing. I think it was only the fact that it was a delicate area, it's the wrist area that made me think that it was infected because it was a little more sore than usual but yeah it's healing really nicely it's in that wrinkly shiny stage and i cannot wait until it's fully healed because it looks really good i'm so excited about it and i'm getting another tattoo soon i think in a couple of weeks it should be next week but i have a work trip so i had to push that appointment to the week after anyway back to mental health Although that story sounds like a mental health story too because of my anxiety, right? Uh, Let's talk about triggers and warnings. When people first heard about, you know what, hang on, this crazy dog is just acting too crazy and I think he's making too much noise and the mic is picking it up. I gotta wait until he calms down. I think I'm gonna wait until he calms down. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, I'm back, and the monster dog is no longer running around. Instead, he's sitting on the bed, and he's staring at me. Like, his face is about a foot away from mine, and he's just staring at me. I wanted to talk about triggers this week. Uh, Whenever people find out about my diagnosis, one of the first things they ask is, what happened? What caused it? What was the trigger? And... Every time I'd say there was no trigger, like I was literally fine one minute and then completely weird the next, they wouldn't believe me. Like they really refused to believe me and they would push like maybe you were stressed at work and I'm like, I'm always stressed at work. I thrive on that stress. I mean, that's part of my job and I actually work best under pressure and so that's not it and they tried to push like they ask other things were you sad about anything and like no I wasn't and I understand this need as people we always need explanations we always need for there to be a reason for something I think that's how we I don't know calm ourselves or that's how we put our minds at ease and I think that the idea that Depression can hit you without a trigger is a lot more scary than knowing oh yeah cuz she had a breakup that's why it happened or somebody died and so she got depressed that makes a lot more sense but if you hear that someone was literally fine one minute and then just not okay the next what's to stop that from happening to you it's a lot scarier and i get it so i get that need for an explanation um And so, yeah, but in my case, there really wasn't something that happened. There was no major trigger. And my doctor was explaining it to me that I was just genetically predisposed to it. Now, it's a lot harder for people of our generation to know if we were genetically predisposed. Because seriously, how many of our parents or grandparents have actually gone to a shrink? For a lot of them, just the idea of seeing a doctor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist is something that they would refuse to even consider. They're like, no, I'm not crazy. Like, it's for them, they have that notion that the minute you go to a shrink, there's something wrong with your head. And it's hard. We are fighting against generation after generation of misconceptions about mental health and i will go deeply into this when i cover telling your family and breaking the news to them which i think i might do in the next episode but for now let's talk about triggers first and how we figured out that i was genetically predisposed to it um so, I was the person I was talking to about this was, of course, my doctor, and the other person is my Aunt Marie, who is a clinical psychologist based in Seattle. She's retired, actually. But after I told her about my depression, she told me that I am genetically loaded. And I do feel like I am genetically loaded on both sides of the family. It was only after my diagnosis that I discovered. Uh, different stories from different people in my family that proves that I am genetically predisposed to it. I don't want to tell those stories because I feel like the people involved should tell those stories when they're ready, if they ever feel ready. But yeah, I am genetically loaded. And uh, so for me, that is the reason that it happened, that I became depressed. It's just Uh, neurochemistry for me the doctor said it in this way there's a chemical imbalance in your brain and my aunt she said that when you have a satisfying life like you do lots of support and anxiety and depression grow that's a different kind of anxiety and depression it's it's predisposition and it speaks to neurochemistry so yeah it was like essentially I was like a ticking time bomb when it came to depression and she's like it's nobody's fault and this the funny thing is I never even thought of blaming anyone for it I never thought that oh this is because of my genetics and whatever my concern was really just getting better so I wasn't out to point fingers or figure out where it came from I just wanted to get better but there are different triggers for depression and These are the things that in many cases lead to it. Let me read to you the list. Okay, Factors that may increase the chance of depression include the following. Abuse. Physical, sexual, or emotional abuse can increase the vulnerability to clinical depression later in life. I am reading from WebMD. Certain medications. Now, this is the weird thing. If you are ever given medication and you look up the potential side effects you will see that antidepressants can cause depression which is why it's so important to be able to figure out which medicine is right for you and it's not making you worse um i think i failed to mention a really important point in last in the last episode which is i know a lot of people are against medication and While I say that it works for me and it has worked for me, I am not telling you that you should be medicated. What I'm telling you is you should go to a professional and then figure it out together if that's the next step that you should take. I am in no way telling every single person going through something that you should be on meds it is an option for sure but it's something that you need to decide on and something that you need to consult a doctor with before deciding on because it is a major step but it can be life changing in a good way it really depends on you so i'm not like telling you like shove pills down your throat definitely not i'm just saying it's an option and it works it works for me and if that's what your doctor thinks you need It's not a bad thing to say yes to it. Anyway, conflict is another cause of depression. Um, Depression in someone who has the biological vulnerability to develop depression may result from personal conflicts or disputes with family members or friends. Death or a loss is another depression trigger. Sadness or grief from the death or loss of a loved one increases the risk of depression for sure. And then, like I said, genetics um major events and this is the thing that i don't understand it says that even good events like starting a new job or graduating or getting married can lead to depression like moving losing a job or income getting divorced retiring all these things uh other personal problems like social isolation can cause depression as well serious illnesses can cause co- um Depression can coexist with major illnesses, and substance abuse. It says that nearly thirty percent of people with substance abuse problems also have a major or clinical depression. My aunt and I were talking about this, that because because we were talking about how my diet changed a lot when I started my medication. I stopped craving junk food I stopped eating fried things well I am eating those things now but in the beginning and she said that I was actually using food as a way to self-medicate when the body knows that something's wrong with it um, it tries to do things that makes it feel better which is why things like substance abuse or addiction to sex or to gambling may actually be signs of an underlying mental health issue which really just made me stop in my tracks and think wow that's something that I never thought about so yeah so me eating a shitload of fries was actually a sign of something apart from fries being really delicious so yeah um so while I did not have triggers I did have some signs from my past that I started thinking about after my diagnosis. One really weird one happened when I was around 18 or 19. And the truth is, I still don't know what to make of it. And this was something that took me years and years and years before I finally told someone about it. Because for a really long time, I felt shameful of it. And I don't know why I shouldn't, but yeah, I just had that feeling of shame when remembering this story. But what happened was, uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, was in the hospital. This was one of his last stays in the hospital. He wasn't. He didn't die soon after this. Like I think he died maybe months or weeks after. It wasn't like he didn't die on this hospital stay, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, as kids, whenever there were family members in the hospital, and the hospital was really near our house, it was like two blocks away. We weren't really allowed to go and visit. They didn't want expose. They didn't want to expose us to germs, or I don't know what the reasons were. But we weren't just we weren't allowed to hang out in the hospital. But for some reason, my grandfather asked me to go to the hospital to see him to visit him while he was there and I remember I went alone and he I can't remember everything that he said that day but the thing that stayed with me was he said you will find it very difficult to make your life happy I was 19 at that time I think 18 or 19 I don't know what it was. It wasn't it wasn't like he was giving me life advice because I don't remember him saying anything constructive apart from that that it was going to be difficult for me to make my life happy. Good luck. It felt like that. It wasn't like life will be difficult for you, so do this, this, this and this no. It was really just that like he was stating it as fact that my life would like it would be hard for me to be happy um it was so weird it was so weird that I couldn't remember the rest of the conversation I couldn't remember what I said to him all I remembered is that he said that and I felt so weird after but given how stubborn I've always been my reaction to it was I'm gonna prove you wrong and so I would like to think that I have been a happy person. And despite the depression, it's still funny to me and I am still happy and I find joy in so many things. And so, yeah, but that kind of made me think, like, why would he say that to me? What I, I, I want to think that he loves me and I saw that love for me in so many different instances in my life. I did grow up in a house with him so he was there all the time but I don't know what made him say that what did he see in me so I started thinking like did he see things in me that 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 I don't know that made him think that this girl is gonna be sad did he see signs of my depression long before it reared its head I don't know so it's one of those weird things It kind of felt like a curse too. it's really so weird but yeah, um, I still think of my grandpa with fond, with fondness and I. it's funny that I'm talking about this on November 1, the day when everybody visits their dead relatives. But yeah, I still love him a lot and that little conversation hasn't tainted my love for him and my memories of him, but it's just really weird, right? Like how many grandparents <laughs> would say that to their grandkids like... This is my last thing for you before I leave this world. You're going to be unhappy. Bam. It's crazy. Okay. The other sign is my addictions. Those people who know me well know that when I like something, I really end up liking things. And there are things in my life that I like too much. I have the propensity to get obsessed with things and to collect things. I collect, well, I've kind of slowed down, but... Yeah, I do. I can't stop buying books. I collect Doc Martens. I like Gudetama, the Sanrio, San Egg. I like Duffy and Shelly Mae, the Disney Bears. I like Rust Trolls. I like a lot of things, cute things. And I don't know. When my aunt started talking about addiction as a form of self-medication I started to wonder if that was another manifestation of the imbalance in my brain and I did notice that my addictions would kind of intensify when I am starting to be unhappy in a relationship so I don't know I may be over analyzing myself but I feel like my brother and I have had this conversation multiple times that we do have a, we do have that addictive gene. We do have the tendency to like things too much and that is the reason I have never started smoking or taking drugs except for the weed brownies that I ate at a friend's party and sent me to Mario's warp zone. Another sign would be i don't know if you remember if you were ever on flickr heavily like i was but in 2009 long before selfies and duck faces were a thing long before instagram a lot of people on flickr were doing the 365 days project where you were supposed to take a creative selfie self-portrait selfies weren't a thing yet so we call them self-portraits Um, we were supposed to take creative self-portraits every day and my longest run lasted 183 days and it was only after my diagnosis that i realized how sad the pictures looked like most of my pictures looked sad i wish you could see i don't know if i finally get around to updating the pills and needles podcast instagram i think i might post some of these so you can see them Um, so I actually showed some of these pictures to my doctor and I said, do you think this was a sign of depression back then? And she was like, you could have been depressed on a subclinical level, she said. And then another sign would be my numerous fears. I talked about my fear of death and fear of needles in previous episodes. And I have a lot of other fears, but I don't know. That's just one, one other thing. There are other things. Right before the depression, I my book came out. My second book came out. And I remember waking up the day after and thinking, why am I not happy? I'm supposed to be happy but i brushed that off because like i said i was busy preparing for that trip to la but people who had been there told me that they noticed something different about me like i wasn't really there i don't know but that was one of the things and also another thing was that my pms became really bad like normally my pms would be me like why am i crying but like oh and then i realized oh shit yeah because i'm getting my period but my PMS just got a lot darker and I remember having a conversation with my friend Tatin and we were like shit is this menopause like are we approaching menopause why like why do we have feelings of like for me it was really bad like I would get feelings of dread and it would just be this darkness that would take over this was in the months leading up to my diagnosis so I don't know if that was another sign but yeah so I didn't have actual triggers but I did have little signs along the way and those are the things that I want to talk to you about what else should we talk about halloween i hope you've had a great halloween i hope that you spent november 1 visiting your loved ones if that is part of your culture if not i hope you had a great halloween you dressed up as something nice and funny and weird and you got a lot of candy or you made a lot of kids nights awesome by giving out candy because we are the adults now and it's pretty sad to think about but yeah um it was good to talk about it and the dog is actually asleep but he's not snoring wow it's like he's really trying to mess with me and that is paranoia another mental health issue No, oh, but he's so quiet it's pretty funny let's try to get him to snore kind of worked Mm -hmm. there you go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was pills and needles I know you know this but if you feel like sending a message we are on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter and feel free to email pillsandneedlespodcast at gmail.com talk to you soon thanks for listening (音楽) Far key.